What up, Tigers fans, baseball fans, sport fans, and just fans for that matter, anyone listening. Thank you for taking your time to listen to another episode of Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Tony Garcia, sitting with co-host Richie Casolino on yet another beautiful day in East Lansing. How do we keep lucking out like this? Yeah, I know. We keep lucking out, Tony. Then we get into the studio for an hour and a half and make a podcast. You got a lovely window behind us. Yeah, you got a nice view at that. I'm, I'm kind of staring at the wall over here. Yeah, I know. Making me happy. I love it right now. I'll, th- I'll throw up a, a mirror in front of me, hear birds <laughs> chirping. I'll yeah. tell you what it looks like. 76 and beautiful outside in East Lansing. Yeah, that's, that's a nice start. And it looks pretty similar to that in Detroit tonight where we got a mo- – actually this afternoon where the we have a day. monstrous Absolutely. Uh, baseball game taking place. The first game of a three-game set against your division-leading Kansas City Royals. Yes, leading in September, Kansas City Royals. But before we get to that, there was also a pretty large uh, series this weekend when the Tigers had a rematch, a 2012 World Series rematch against the San Francisco Giants. What did you take away from this weekend? It was a bit of an issue. I didn't feel very strongly about the starting pitching, which is something that worried me because that's our number one key, obviously, going into a Kansas City game. You need your starters to go in innings. We've talked about for how many times now the stupid bullpen has just been an absolute disaster. Price had some issues in the first, settled down after, even after his start uh, last week where he gave up eight or nine straight hits. Uh, he pulled it back after the first inning, made some adjustments, and I think it was... A good showing, he picked up the loss in the end anyway. So, you know, you don't feel good about losing to San Francisco ever. But it was not the worst thing in the world. You know, it, would you say we, as we came back on since our podcast, Detroit has been seven and six uh, in the last week and a half or so. Gained no ground on Kansas City. Lost no ground. Lost no ground on Kansas City. Well, but remember, the clock's ticking every yep. day we go past. It's a day closer where we're getting to the end of the September. It's an issue. How about you, Tony? How do you feel? Sure is. I think this, the starting pitching was def- definitely something to note. Um, I wouldn't have necessarily mentioned Price first over this past weekend as I would have Porcello. Porcello. Porcello really got shelled. I was at the game on Friday night that got, rain- really? that got rained out. Yep. And you didn't um, invite me. Oh my gosh, Tony. I see this co-host action. Guilty, guilty is charged. Unbelievable. Well, it- I should feel that at least about it. Um, however, it was... It was that that didn't look good. It was it was a rainy night. It it was kind of weird the whole the whole night. It was it was delayed to begin. Then the game got going. Then in the third, it was rained out. We tried to bring Porcello back out. It was right. it was already six six nothing, I believe. And exactly, and that, that's a good point too. I was going to ask you: Do you feel that Osmus should have kept him in because PV stayed in the game for another three innings after that? You know, it's that's really man. Manager to manager, pitcher to pitcher, depending on how long the delay is, one, who's pitching in the game, two, and the situation. I think Osmus kind of could see the writing on the wall, although you never want to give up a game in just the fourth. We, right. I think it was a 6-0 deficit with, with rainy, bad conditions, and we weren't ever sure if we were going to get the game in. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to take into account. Moving forward to the Saturday game in Price, man, if he can eliminate that bad inning, just that one bad inning which he's had in two of his last three starts, he's on a roll. He he gave up four runs in the first inning and still pitched eight and two-thirds. Right. And the only reason he didn't 
finish the ninth uh, and the last batter was because Suarez committed an error on a ground ball to him, and then there was a lefty-righty matchup that Osmus didn't want to play. But for all intents and purposes, he was out of the game, out of the inning, and then Suarez messed it up for him. So it would have been nine innings after what is a terrible first. I mean, that's that's a bulldog. That's exactly what you need in the playoffs. And I mean, I got all the faith in the world in David Price that he he will eliminate that bat. I hope you're right because he's been a little iffy, and it wasn't he wasn't as iffy as he was in Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay he was that guy who can go seven, eight, nine innings, but he's shown he can, which is why I'm definitely not throwing him under the bus, especially with our starting pitching the last few weeks. But I ran a, I ran across another interesting stat for again it. for the Tigers. Interesting meaning terrible. Guess <laughs> since the trade deadline, what? starting pitcher in the major leagues has the least amount of run support. Oh, at least my, you're probably going to say David Price. I am going to say right, David well, Price. The go. least runs behind. I mean, come on. He's losing a 1-0, to zero, no earned run, yeah. complete game. It's it, it's just... <laughs> the, the ball's not bouncing the Tigers' way, which is why they're still down 2 to nothing. To be fair, it's a small sample size, but... It is. It is. True, go ahead. But it's almost eight games at this point. It's two months. All of all of August because he was traded in July and okay yeah not two months I'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> month and a week sorry sorry no 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 it's all right because still even with it you if you get, if you throw a one hitter no one runs you definitely do not deserve a loss ever in MLB history it's just just ridiculous but that's what, where we are Tony it is and to finish off the the starting pitching idea who would have thought that we would be talking about Kyle Lobstein. The lobster. <laughs> I love Kyle, Kyle the lobster lobstein. <laughs> making his third major league start in in the middle of a pennant race, no less. And he gets his first major league win. He's now one and oh. And in his three starts, the Tigers are three and oh. He's keeping them in games. He ha- he's Absolutely. one earned run in five and two thirds. I mean, that's a and it was only at 86 pitches, yes, which shows that we're still not certain. We don't have total faith yeah, that he can get out of James. He's and everything. young. He's too. young. You don't want to put him in that situation. If he, you'll take five and two thirds with one earned run, eight days a week. Oh, eight days easily on national television too, no less. Yeah. ESPN Four Letter Network. Come on, I love him. You know what? He's gonna be a guy I think that comes out of the bullpen for us, maybe in that postseason. We're knocking on wood. Easily, it, but uh, certainly, certainly, a, another player that we can put in that bullpen and have a little bit of faith in because he showed he can do it. He is a poor man's Drew Smiley for the if for this year, which is unfortunate because the Tigers can definitely afford Drew Smiley. Yeah, but unfortunately, we had to downsize. So yeah, you're right. Lobster coming back. Yeah, three good starts too for him too. <laughs> certainly, and that's and all all everything we've been talking about has been in the last week. And if we want to talk about beasts in the last week finally we get to properly talk about the man the the, the big, myth the, the legend man. the the every the, mr everything miguel cabrera who in his last seven games is 15 for 30 two doubles five bombs nine ribbies and slugging one 067 with an ops of one five six seven one five that's <laughs> Like, Unbelievable. He had nine RBIs in the first seven games in September, and he had 10 RBIs in the entire month of August. He's I don't know what he's doing because he still can't walk on that right foot, but whatever he's doing, it's working. Yeah, that and and we're going to get to this in a second. Remind me to talk about um, Brad Ausmus and the way he's handled this, which I think he's actually done a pretty good job. I agree. Could it be better than how Jim Leland did at the end? We'll get to that in just like five minutes. But I want to mention 
as soon as September hit, um, this has nothing to do with me. This sometimes shows it's better to be lucky than good. I wrote an article on how if the Tigers are going to make it, Miguel Cabrera is going to need to be the guy and not just the, not just the all-star, starting all-star he was this year, but the, the triple crown winner that he's been for the last two, which, which is the difference. And in the last week, five home runs. I mean, he must have read what I was saying. Oh, Tony, like we joke about and, it, but I genuinely believe somebody on that Tigers organization is reading our writing oh. and listening to our podcast. It's just got to happen. Why? I mean, why wouldn't you? It's, yeah, exactly. it's gold. <laughs> However, I'm I just threw I'm now on the disabled list from patting myself on the back. Yeah, that's, you hurt yourself. That's 15 days. But <laughs> back, back to the point. How do you think about Osmus and Miguel Cabrera keeping him out of the lineup? DH Trading first base, Martinez? letting him huff and puff all the way from first base home in a five to one run game. Just. Everything that has been Miguel Cabrera in the last two weeks and his injury, go. Well, yeah, first of all, you're not going to trust me. Osmus is not going to stop Cabrera from hustling out, you know, a three-bagger. It's just not going to happen. It's not how he's programmed to. You see him hobbling on one leg around the bases, and he's loving doing it. But, yeah, I love it. It's perfect, I think. The trade-off between Victor Martinez and Miguel Cabrera at first base, DHing. I think Osmus goes up to him, goes up to Miguel and Victor and says, all right, today, who's my guy at first? Who's my guy? Who's going to hit some? hit some bombs for me. And I think every time Miguel's going to say, I want to be on first base, but I hope he doesn't. I hope he makes the right decision. I think it's working. Osmus has done a great job. He's getting some slack for every once in a while because Cabrera's wincing, but I agree. Cabrera, it's been a great manager. Osmus has gotten slack for every single decision he's made because he's a rookie manager and he's unproven. And so if he makes the decision that goes the wrong way, it was the wrong decision. And if he makes a decision that goes the right way, it was lucky and it's because he has the best lineup. (laughs) But separately from that, I love what he's doing. Miguel Cabrera played first base every single day down the stretch in 2013 for the Detroit Tigers when when he was... It was almost a certainty that Miguel Cabrera was going to have 50 home runs and 150 RBIs last year in August because he had about 40 halfway through August or right. something. That's maybe 38. Close. I'll have to check it. You got it, though. But then he just totally slowed down last September and even October when, uh, when, he, was, when he was overplayed and asked to do too much. And he's now, instead of slowing down, picking it up. Because he doesn't have to stand in first base. He's DH three of the last five games. I think six of the last ten. So he's he's not playing in the field as much. And keeping him off his feet, people who don't know baseball are going to say, come on, you're asking him to stand for three hours a day. That's not doing too much. But when you have a bum ankle and you're the best hitter in the world, it really is. And you're stretching out it's, on that right foot. That is the key. It's the right ankle, which is the foot touching the base. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think we brought this up on the podcast, but uh, Cabrera does have, it just came out a couple days ago, the bone spur in the ankle. And you can tell it's it's hurting him. I mean, he's a big guy when you're walking on that. And he's going to have off-season surgery. Yeah, once the season is over, hopefully. almost for certain, almost. For oh certain. yeah, and that'll knock him out for at least a few months in the off season. I think it's good. I think the exactly why the DH spot needs to be used for both Cabrera and Martinez. Just simple as that, Tony. Couldn't couldn't say it better. Now, moving forward, as I was, you wanted to talk about something, right? You wanted to discuss. I did something. Is this is this the point? Tony? See. This this is why we do this the together because we're we're on the same page. <laughs> I was about to get ahead of myself. Actually, I already had gotten ahead of myself when I was when I was talking to myself earlier this morning. 
about how this was the biggest series in Detroit Tigers history. And Wow. My goodness. And the reason I say that is because there has never been such high expectations for this team. I, I mean, maybe there has been equivalently in our lifetime. In the last, in the last three, yeah, in our lifetime. In our, for, I could say in, in our, our lifetime, lifetime for certain. E- easily. And then you pa- you match that with the fact that we are still, if the, if the season ends right now as we're speaking currently, we're not in the play. The Detroit Tigers are not in the playoffs. <laughs> they're, they're, sit- they're watching it. And right. that is a very scary thought for what was the World Series favorite going into this year. I don't care how you slice World it. World Series favorite. After the acquisition of Price, I would say a month ago Still. we were World Series favorites with Oakland, and look at what's happened. Uh, you know, both both Oakland and Detroit have fallen off the radar and five hundred a little bit worse, depending on who you're talking about. It's been iffy. Oakland, I think, is eight and eighteen in the really? last twenty six. Wow, it's, yeah, it's it's awful. But so back to this series against Kansas City in at at four oh eight. On Monday, September 8th, Justin Verlander is taking the mound against Jeremy Guthrie. Both are 500 pitchers, 12 and 12 for Verlander, 10 and 10 for Guthrie. What What are you expecting out of JB? I don't. Tony, if you asked me this three years ago, I would have said eight innings, two hits, no one runs, but it's 2014, and I'm so unsure of what Verlander's doing anymore. I, I'm optimistic because I have to be, but... Here's what. Here's my. We'll make. You want to make predictions, Tony? I would love to make. Predictions. I would love to too. Let's say this. I'm gonna get Verlander at seven innings with five earned runs, and I, I'm gonna give him a no decision. I think that's the realistic. Maybe maybe I'm giving him too much. Uh, I don't know. That's. I, I don't. I don't like saying it, but I think that's gonna be the realistic point. He hasn't shown up in the clutch yet. I I can't fault you, and I I gotta look up the the exact numbers. I believe. This season, Justin Verlander has given up five earned runs or more five times. Really? And in the last three seasons combined, it was eight total. Wow. From 2011 or, to 2013, he yeah. gave up eight total five earned runs or more. Yeah. And this season is five. This season five. I think the last game made it six, actually. Um, I don't. I, that, that doesn't surprise me. But you're a bold prediction guy. With I am. Especially about my man, JV. <laughs> man. Oh my god! You try to be impartial, but then we say Justin Verlander. I see your eyes light up. I know. I, know. I can they, tell. They do every time. You gotta, you gotta separate the fan from the media. But you know, on on this one, I'm I'm going with my heart. I Justin Verlander still last September was the guy, even when he was falling off all all year last year and did not have a good season last year for by his standards. He did not. And then in September and October, he was the best pitcher in the major leagues. Yes, he's had one set one start in September, but that was after arguably the worst week of his professional career where those pictures with him and Kate Upton right. we don't need to discuss it. We are a professional. Although we love to discuss it. <laughs> they leaked and I mean I mean it it rattled him. He's a human that's going to rattle anybody. He's finally gotten a start under that belt. That's not going to be the main thing talked about while he's on the mound today. No, it's going to be the former what he's trying to prove current ace of this staff, still one of the aces of this staff, coming in and shutting down the Royals like he has owned them since 2006, making a statement to the fans, to the organization, to his fellow pitching staff that, let's go. This is go time. Tony, I love it. That is, And that is a very good point you brought up that Birdlander has been exquisite against you know the Royals since, gosh, going back till 2006. You're right. 
other than the National League, the Royals are the American League team, which he has the best numbers against. Really? Yep. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. That makes total sense. And I even I, I hate going back to the Kate Upton thing because it's in the pictures, but really Verlander hasn't made any statement about it. As far as the public, he's really... Maybe the guys have given him some dog and him in the bull are in the dugout there, you know, the clubhouse yeah. where we don't see it. But I think as far as, as far as, you know, media and tabloid stuff goes, I don't think Verlander really cares about that stuff or at least doesn't show that he's affected. His, his quote was, I keep my personal life personal. I love it. It's concise. That's, it. That's all you really need to do when and you're talking about stuff that doesn't involve diamond, you know, no diamonds for Kate Upton, please, Verlander. We don't need that. All right, so uh, you, your prediction for Verlander. Oh, I, I, yeah, I didn't give my line. You're right. You made I'm a going, bold I, prediction. Yeah, I'm also, going, I'm also going seven innings. I'm not going to get carried away, although I'd love <laughs> you for want him to. to go eight or nine. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Cause, um, and the key is going to be n- no walks. He, he's going to have to have his control. So no walks. He's going to get hit, hit around a little bit, maybe six hits. One earned run. One, just the one. Tigers are going to win four to one, five to one, like normal Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals games should go when he, when JV's on the mound. Right. All right. I love it. I, you know, I hope I hope you're right, Tony. I hope I'm wrong. This is one of those few times where I don't want to be correct about something. But uh. Ab- absolutely. And back to but the t- the Tigers aren't just chasing the Kansas City Royals. They're also chasing Oakland Athletics for the home wild card spot, who are two and a half of the Tigers, and more realistically, the Seattle Mariners, who are just a half game. Ahead. I would say Seattle is probably. I, I, I first and foremost, Royals are going to be the team to catch because we have six games left against them. If we somehow drop off and you know lose two of three in the next series to them, then you start looking at Seattle as that playing game. Don't like to talk about it because I think the best chance is still is still going to be the Royals. It's your destiny. You, you're deciding against yeah. the Royals. Seattle's kind of out of your hands at this point. And if you if you if you're in one of these wild card spots, in yes, this is just my opinion that I like to say is humble. Sometimes it's not as humble as it should be, but this is my humble opinion. That is not a playoff game. I don't care. That's game 163. That's a play-in game. You're trying to get into the ALDS. This wild card one game, what do you get? You get you get a pin. You get a we we lost in a in an extra game that nobody could care less about. So cool. Uh, official pin. official playoff. It's pin. absurd. It's that that's a moral victory for the Kansas City Royals. That's we haven't made it to the playoffs since 1985. So we played in a wild card game. And yes, this is technically a wild card game for the Tigers fans. B S. Some, no, some teams put that up as a pennant or something. Oh, not De- Detroit not is in not Detroit. Detroit. That's getting me fired up, man. And that, I consider you know if we go to that one game playoff game and lose. Even if we win, I, I it's a bad taste in my mouth. I think it's a bit of a failure for the regular season with a team that this talented, this high of a payroll, uh, this somewhat, so much promise in the last year. And it's an absolute failure. We need we need to take this against the Royals. Certainly, and I'm just going to touch on this really quickly. A lot of people have been trying to classify this. As, I, well, no one says it's a success, no matter who you ask, because it's definitely not a success. Success as of now. But I don't think anyone can qualify as a failure until this team is eliminated completely from the playoffs. Because I don't care if you're if you do go from that wild card to win it all. It doesn't matter how you win it all. If you have the commissioner's trophy in your hand, haha, to everyone else. <laughs> it doesn't it really doesn't matter how you get there unless it's steroids and cheating and all this other baloney that's going on around professional sports. That's a good point. But so I don't I, I don't like to hear the word 
failure of the season. Until not, they're not golfing. Ju- not just yet. He's, he's, David Price likes to golf on his off days, but until the whole team is golfing. <laughs> yes. Right. Fair enough. Price can golf as much as he wants as long as he's pitching on the right days. Works for me. I, I hear it. <clears throat> I feel like as far as the Kansas City game goes, I, I know that you're saying it's the biggest series, but I, unless we get swept, which I think is very out of the possibility, far away, I, I think that the next series against Kansas City is probably going to be the one because I, I think we're just too far away, maybe? Absolutely. It's, one, I hate saying that because no, it just sounds awful. But A hundred percent. I was early... Earlier when you re-listened to this, I was saying that I was getting ahead of myself. So I, I 100% agree with you, Rich. You're nail on the head. I was getting ahead of myself by saying this was the biggest series in, in our lifetime. because Not because it isn't in, in terms of how big these games are right now. It's just not close enough to the end. Even though we can totally see the light at the tunnel. The Tigers were up three. We've mentioned this before. I'm going to mention it again. 2009. Up three games on Minnesota with three games left, even though the Tigers are playing the Royals, and then they get swept by the Royals. Minnesota sweeps whoever they were playing. I can never remember Probably who that the White was. Sox. It, it must have been division or Indians potentially, but yes. And so, if if you can swing three games in the last in games one sixty through one sixty two, anything can happen. And in game one forty, it can't be the biggest biggest of all time, like I was trying to say it was. So right, it's well, not. If you're going to give a chance to win, though, these three at home you are going to be win. much harder you than the three away. Yeah, if, yeah. If you lose, if you lose these, they were the biggest because if the Tigers get swept and are five games out with what is this? What would that be? Sixteen roughly games remaining. Oh yeah, you're not coming back from that. I mean, not 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 in the division. It, unless Kansas City falls apart, and I and then you, don't I see guess that you happening. got three games left against the Royals. Or anything can happen, but <laughs> but you don't want to you don't want to leave it up to that. You no, know? you know why don't why don't Detroit just sweep Kansas City? Get a little lead. Get a little lead because after a three game sweep would mean Detroit would have a one game lead in the AL Central, and that is when you control your own destiny. And and Detroit has Verlander coming up today. They have Scherzer coming up tomorrow, and on Wednesday they have Porcello. That's a pretty big three. You're not seeing Price, but it's still, I think, if we, depending on how that series goes, you probably squeeze Price in the next series. Price Price is scheduled to start the next game, actually, again, Friday right, in Cleveland. All right, so even then, you know, these are the games that you have to take. Your starting pitching is set. It's now like we've had injuries, but Sanchez, besides Sanchez, these are your guys. This is your team. If you can't win against the Kansas City, how are you going to do it against the Angels, the Athletics, the Dodgers, anybody like that? The Orioles, who have been one of the hottest (laughs) teams. But excuse me, I said at Cleveland, this series is at home as well. In in Detroit. Detroit. Fair enough. Hey, you know what? Either way, I don't care where they're going to play. It could be the moon. I just want to win. (laughs) I I agree completely. A couple other guys who have been stepping up recently, and I mean recently all season, um, Victor Martinez in the last week, um, Cabrera is overshadowing him because he's hitting 500 with five home runs. Excuse me, Victor's hitting 480 with three home runs, nine <laughs> RBIs for Cabrera, seven for Victor, and he would have more RBIs if Cabrera wasn't knocking them all off the bases. <laughs> like, it's such a great spot to hit behind Cabrera, but it's also such a tough spot to hit because he'll he'll steal some of your runs. Right, you know what? It's protecting Cabrera. And that's all he has to do, and he's done. He's far surpassed what he needs to do this season. And because at the beginning of the year, people said, can Fielder do or can Martinez do what Fielder did? And he's done way more than that. And uh, going into the postseason of these last few games, of the regular season, I have total faith, <clears throat> total faith in what both the Martinez's can do. 
you know? And I gave you I gave you a stat earlier, Tony. This might be going back a few days, but seven JD Martinez, who I've said I absolutely love. And that might have been the next guy on your list because you're pointing to me and doing that thing you do where you're very happy about me and I love it. <laughs> uh <clears throat> the JD Martinez was hitting seven of JD's nineteen home runs, which I think was a stat I gave you, uh, were hit in the ninth inning. And then uh, we did a little hashtag clutch thing there. I, I, it's <laughs> you so, got a hashtag. You have to hashtag like something with JD Martinez, the young guy coming out of Houston. It, <laughs> I love it. And that four-two lead over uh, Cleveland, and with a three-run bomb in the top of the ninth. Oh my! That's that's how you win games when you can't win games when you when you need him. That's that's he he stole that. Yeah, he did absolutely. Cleveland. And that's the third time he's done that this year. And another one was against Cleveland in Cleveland off of Brian I think I believe his name's Brian Allen uh, off Allen as well. And I mean, yeah, n- n- 7 of 19 home runs in the ninth, not just in the late innings, in the ninth. That's oh, that's serious clutch factor. And right around there was that time where our 3 4 5 was really starting to heat up. I don't have the stats in front of me, but between Cabrera, JD and Victor, those 3 4 5 in our lineup was hitting like something ridiculous around 480 or 500. It was nuts for about a week. In the, in their last 3 in the in the last month, Victor's hitting 381. Cabrera's hitting 327 and JD's hitting 313. It's great. And if you isolate Cabrera even more, you know, the fewer games you give him leaving August coming into September, those stats keep going up and up and up. I hope they continue. They sure do. And we we got to talk about what's been the night we we're talking about all our favorite guys. We got we got to address what's been the 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 problem spot for this team certainly if there's one which is obviously the bullpen however where were you going with that Tony the bullpen <laughs> what are you talking about we talked about that before it seems a little bit deja vu once that. once or twice we have yeah. however it's starting to turn around uh, slowly but surely in in the last fourteen games for the bullpen which is a pretty decent sample size no that's good I agree. They have given up just six earned runs in 40 innings, which equates to a 1.34 ERA. Okay. In the last two weeks. All right. That's nice. And I'm, Nathan, I'm assuming, is involved in that. Nathan hasn't had a blown save in that, at that, least a couple weeks. That is that is even Jim Johnson. Jim, I can't throw a strike Johnson. <laughs> That's blow it by the everyday Joe Nathan. All of that. It's all those Meatballs guys. down the plate, Johnson and Nathan, yeah. Yes. No, but even I was telling you earlier about a – Kansas City's closer that Detroit fans will meet, and if we're really lucky if we don't, but I have a feeling that Detroit will meet a, uh, uh, what's his face, Greg Holland, who's had two blown saves in 2014. Uh, the guy is absolute shut down, ridiculous, not even fair to hit against a guy who Detroit would envy to have and would make this team 50 games over 500. Yeah, How, uh, no uh, exaggeration. 50 games, yeah, Tony. No, I pretty. I mean that is. Hardly an exaggeration, potentially, but and wh- how long did it take Joe Nathan to blow those two games, just like Greg Holland's done all year? <laughs> well, Greg Holland two saves, uh, blown two saves in 2014. It took Joe Nathan three opportunities to blow two saves right. in 2014. Right. By April 9th, I believe Joe Nathan had blown two saves. And since April 19th, Greg Holland has blown one. Uh, yes, that is correct. I think. Yeah. Oh and, my goodness. And, and and it's not it's not just Holland. It's Holland. It's Wade Davis. Um, I, I mean, right. Kansas Kansas City. Uh, their bullpen. It's got to be, if not the best in the game, it's certainly up there. Don't take my word for this because I looked it up on a whim a couple days ago. But I think post All Star break, the relievers in Kansas City have been the best in the MLB. 
as far as ERA goes. I don't doubt it. Yeah, Wade, Wade Davis is Kelvin Herrera too. Oh, he's Greg a Holland. fireballer. That's unbelievable. They all they all throw ninety seven to hundred. And I told you this before we started today that batting wise, Kansas City is nothing special. They fall in the middle of the ranks, even the bottom of the ranks in on base. In I think they're twenty first or twenty second in slugging. It's nothing special that they're doing. But what makes them win games is those three or four runs per game, and the ability to keep the lead and hold the lead for their saver. I'm I'm just I'm just at a loss for words because I'm looking at the, at these Tigers' offensive numbers compared to the Royals. You say the Royals are middle of the pack in every road, and that just shows how big the bullpen is. Tigers second in run. Tigers first in average. Tigers first in on base percentage. Tigers second in slugging percentage. That's right. dominant. And you're not even in first in a mediocre division. Absolutely. And Detroit has, uh, through the course of the season, Detroit is first in runs scored. They have 672. And I think they're near the bottom, or at least middle of the pack, in runs allowed with 628. And that's a difference of you. You can do the math if we... We are college students. We can sort of do the math here. About 48 runs differential. Kansas City has less, 100 less, 105 less, 567 runs scored in 2014. But... They're one of the best in the MLB with runs allowed, which is 541. Their margin of error is low and narrow, but through magic or luck or just pure talent in the bullpen, you can say whatever we want. They're getting it done. That's the key. The I think I think the that third one, that talent, like of yes, they've been getting some good bounces this year, but you don't get good bounces for 140 games when nope. you win. When when you're in first place, you're 17 games over 500. And your plus-minus ratio in total runs scored over the season is like what? What did you say it was like 48. 48. 48. Thank you. I mean, you're winning. You're winning all the close games. You're yeah. winning the one-run games, the two-run games, and I mean, and that is that is directly parallel. Like, if for you statistics majors, the the one on a scale of zero to one correlation, that is one. Very strong. <laughs> per, like, total correlation. Absolutely. It's and, and you know what? There's. Because I did, I wrote an article as well, Tony, and it will be coming out hopefully in the next day or so about Kansas City's ability to win games that are very close and with not as much power as Detroit. Because Detroit has put, oh gosh, I don't even know the stat, close to sixty or seventy million into those big name hitters like Cabrera, like Martinez, and Kansas City is not like that. They're again middle of the road, average, mediocre, smaller team, market, smaller market, smaller payroll. Dombrowski's not shelling out, you know hundreds of millions of dollars uh or Dabrowski is in comparison to kansas city it's just their team that sh- a lot of people are probably rooting for to beat detroit detroit has been the big bad boys in the al central for three or four years now it's is it time that somebody steps up to the plate and literally no pun intended tony <laughs> but steps up to the plate and knocks this team out that's just been so average in the postseason i mean it would it would literally break my heart if that <laughs> happened so I can't say that I want anyone to do it, but I mean, you gotta like the feel-good story. The Kansas City Royals rooting against the Kansas City Royals. I've always said is like rooting against the Detroit Lions. You really, you really just have like a black hole where your heart is supposed to be. They have been no good for so long. They've never done anything wrong to your team. I'm sure of it. All right. Like, I mean, and and they they and it's easier to root for those Kansas City Oakland days. Like they don't. I mean. Even coming as a Detroit Tigers fan who has been buying the kind of buying their decent teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers, o- Oakland, Tampa Bay Rays, Kansas City, the teams that do really well just off 
of team ball and chemistry and not a lot of money. I mean, there's certainly something to be said for that. Absolutely. I agree. Well, I guess we'll find out. Tonight, yep. tonight, Tony, the big game. Even Not even tonight. A exactly. couple hours. We got to get down there, Tony. Yes. We got about certainly. an hour and a half. And with that being said, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Tigers Talk. For Richie Cosolino, I'm Tony Garcia. Go Tigs.